as we continue our studies in 2 Corinthians, we need to remember that Paul is driving this self-revelation. He's opening up his heart and his life and showing what it means to be a true Christian and what it means to be a true apostle of Christ. And which is important for each one of us because there are so many different types of Christians and different types of ministries. What is the authentic ministry? Um, there are some questions come up, isn't it? And recently we read in uh, multimedia, uh, online, uh, social media, and different types of Christian leaders experiencing controversies and shameful stories on secular, secular newspaper as well as Christian magazines. And the question that we could ask is, how do we discern what is real, authentic ministry does it mean we need to all will wear sandal and walk and to not use any transportation, uh, email and inter internet is bad? Of course not. But here's a picture. There is a pastor, just imagine a hypothetical situation. Um, extremely eloquent, eloquent uh, demands attention as a split second he opens up his mouth. Has a charisma of moving people's heart into tears, into sigh of relief, of comfort, and into inspiration. They need to get up and do something. And he might have an uh, assistant, several staff in his team, uh, leads large congregation, shows up on uh, Larry King Live sometimes, or the equivalent of it today's, versus If Paul, Apostle, Paul the Apostle lived today, he oftentimes is in prison. He's rarely shown as eloquent, charismatic speaker. A lot of criticism and controversies around him. He's poor. He's, he travels very humbly. And nothing to really show for on a secular magazine, a newspaper. What is authentic ministry? So today's message gives us a really just insightful guiding principles for discerning authentic community. And here's some questions. The first one is, first question comes to my mind is, 
how do you discern ministry leaders, and not necessarily, once again, full-time pastors only, but each one of us as we serve, uh, freedom. This is his or her freedom. Uh, this is his accountability. The bigger the church gets and bigger the ministry gets, the much more less accountability because of the charismatic leader's right to lead. And that's not only the, the pastors and speakers and preachers, but it, it's in your own ministry as well. Uh, how do you handle, what, it, what does it mean to hold yourself accountable Especially when you are not on a paid staff. Well, why do I even bother to ask others to hold me accountable or, or report? What is the freedom that I could continually uh, practice? The next one, how do you discern changeable non-essentials and changeless essentials? Meaning... Um, <clears throat> Just imagine that we insist old way is the only way to do it. And obviously, <clears throat> it's nonsensical. There are churches fight over what type of style of music, contemporary or classic, and hymns or the worship songs. Fight over color of pet carpet. All those are obviously non-essential. But what are really changeless core essentials? Even to this day and age, we need to carry. Seems to be blur, because there is a lot of flamboyant ministries. Changes everything. And the third question, and how do we discern pseudo-marks versus true marks of authentic ministry? Uh, there is such a thing that the uh, top 100 fastest, fast-growing church in America, my previous ministry used to be belong to that list. And just looking at the size of the congregation, it is incredible. Is that the true marks? Oh, if not, the number is the true marks. And what are the true marks of authentic ministry? Just because we're small, that doesn't mean we are authentic. And lastly, how do you discern bogus model that we should not follow? And what is a radical model for authentic ministry? And today, we do have a radical model. Allow me to read the passage one more time. As you read, a um, couple of things I would caution. Don't write Paul off because it's too radical and too distant from us. Um, so just even, even reading through the passage for myself, 
I do have a lot of stress and problems in my pastoral ministry. Um, but compared to him, it, nothing. I still have a twitching problem and Dr. Eunice helped me in you know, acupuncture and everything. I need to go back to MRI and other things. There was a small, tiny things, but when I read that, I go, uh, nothing. Who cares? I, I blinked a little bit in front of people. Embarrassing. But there's no pain. At least I don't get beatings weekly. Don't write people, Paul off. The second thing is, don't think about full-time pastors only. And third of all, pay attention to the timeless principles. What could be, what is Paul, is, his model is radical, but what are the lessons? So we're drawing lessons on authentic community so that you and I could be authentic Christians and authentic lead authentic ministry as well. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 through 13. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, and beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, yet, and yet are true, as unknown, and yet well known, as dying, and behold, we live, as punished, yet, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted, restricted by us, but you are restricted, restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. It is radical, isn't it? But we will try to draw six, at least six lessons on authentic community from Paul's radical model and ministry. Here's the first one. Lesson number one. Authentic ministry requires deliberate sacrifice in freedom as well as in accountability in order to protect the credibility, integrity, should I say, of ministry. 
Verse 3, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. In other passages, 1 Corinthians 8, 9 gives us what he's doing. He says, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. This is so not American, isn't it? Remember, stand up for your rights and use your rights. But Paul had freedom to give up freedom. The American concept of freedom, should I say Western concept of freedom is freedom is to do whatever you want to do. If you do whatever you want to do, you, you, you could drink as much as you want every day, but you actually don't have a freedom to stop drinking. But Paul had this idea. I will gladly give up my freedom. Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't limit about this putting no obstacles in anyone's way. He's not limiting blatant sins only. Obviously, that's no-brainer. But things that he could done, even getting paid for his preaching, he reserved, withheld that right and privilege so that no unbelievers will have a stumbling block to think that he's like a Greek teacher, philosopher, itinerary teachers who teach about different philosophies and the way the Christian gospel is one of them. So in this day and age, we need to think about what are things that you could do I, I see no wrong in um, having beers and wine and, or having, you know, cigar, uh, going to Vegas and enjoying some different types of in, in, entertainment. We're not that kind of church. We're not legalistic in a sense that the list of do's and don'ts are there. But, if you really care about what would honor the name of Christ, what will help maximizing the spreading of the gospel, that no one is offended, you will take this extra caution as well. You would want to sacrifice. Brothers and sisters, there are many things that I could do. There's, I choose not to simply because of those reasons. How about you? What are your rights and privileges? Your freedom that you're willing to sacrifice?
I think one of the sad things about today's ministers, I'm, I'm ashamed as a pa fellow pastor, the amount of the freedom they enjoy. Some got caught and became controversial. Some have not. But it became almost American way of doing ministry. And I know the nameless brothers and sisters in our church make that sacrifice. I'm eternally grateful for their, their examples. They don't get the limelight. But isn't it true that one of the ways of our non-Christian friends, when they have some, even if a small thing, to pick on, and it is like somewhat misunderstanding also too, but if we give them the excuse to discredit our ministry, our church, we could stumble them from coming to Christ. And Paul's heart came from his aim to honor his name, to honor and exalt the name of Christ in in his body, whatever he does. Uh, we don't have to be apostle, but in, his, in our lives as well, in ministry, in everything we do, our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Second lesson is a central mark. This is um, pulsating with importance to me. A key mark of authentic ministry is great endurance in various hardships and obstacles for the sake of Christ. Okay, pay attention to what it says. Do not read into it. Verse 4, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. And by this time, we, we could, oh, that's too much. There's no way I could do all that. None of that. Even Boy and Cindy didn't go through that. By God's mercy, they escaped detainment. But let's make this note first. Suffering and hardships by themselves are not the marks of authentic ministry, but endurance is.
more specifically, willingness to take and endure suffering and hardship for, for Christ's sake is the mark. Even in today's world. world. Yes, Paul's example was radical. There are three parts of that, three categories of sufferings and hardship. The first one, when he says afflictions, hardships, and calamities, these are circumstantial, natural setting when maybe the you know shipwreck and things like that, storms, difficulty in traveling, circumstantial suffering. The next pairs. Parts um, of relational suffering, more blatantly, persecutions, beatings, imprisonments, riots, because of his ministry, he in, experienced opposition, harsh oppositions. In other other passages, Paul writes, three times I took the beating, forty times, forty minus one. You know that expression? 39 beating. Because the Roman citizens were exempt. Legally, it was not allowed to, to beat, to, uh, to give 40 lashes on Roman citizens. Because just think about the way that, you know, Passion of Christ, that movie, kind of gives that image that if you get hit that like that kind of severe after 40 or more it could mean literally death so roman citizens were get beaten by 39 he said three times i received that and one time he was stoned people thought that he was dead all because of his gospel ministry and so many times he was in prison. He wrote letters from prison, dungeons. And riots happened in Ephesus because of his preaching. And the idol worshippers could not sell the idols anymore because of people's coming to know Christ. And the third category, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. This is a ministerial, I would say, because of his intentionally putting efforts in spreading the gospel. Labors, meaning he worked hard and sleepless nights because of teaching, because of traveling, and hunger. You know, um, if I fast few meals, I'm totally fine. It's a, like a, I have a lot of reservoir right here. <laughs> but if you make me stay up, and now that I'm over 50 now, if I stay up one night, I just can't function. And when I think about sleepless night, I'd rather go without food for two days rather than 
not being able to sleep one whole night. And maybe some other things scare you as well. Yeah, imprisonment is unthinkably. And then the riot, the crowd coming to get you. Let me go back to the note again. It's not suffering and hardship itself are the marks, but our endurance in it, willingness in it. I might offend some of you, but I love you as your pastor. I need to speak truth and love to you. You could so easily slip into this idea of living in Irvine, Touchstone Ranch, or any part of uh, Orange County. Is way to go. Best school district, safest na- city in the in the nation, and the the South Orange County is just beautiful. And if these criterion are the first and foremost principles of your life, you're going to avoid all pains and suffering, hardships at any cost. That is not authentic Christian. That is not authentic ministry. You don't have to look for suffering, but when you think about Christ and his kingdom, you need to choose to go to utmost remote area of this earth because unreached people are there. Our mindset through this passage, we need to look at it as Oh, I wish Boy and Cindy can get to that remote area again. Was there a hardship? Of course. The second day in they're hanging out in one of my bed, you know, kids' room. All five, the two, three, three kids and Boy and Cindy themselves are sleeping on the floor, a couple of them in the bed. And later on, Cindy came out to our breezeway. Like a, there are four luggages and one backpack sitting there. And Cindy looked at it. And she said, she cried. This is all I have. Eight years of our lives. Their customized furnitures and the stuff they couldn't bring. They just barely escaped from that part of China. And American culture, Christian culture, evangelical culture, made it okay to say, I'm glad I'm not there. I don't want to ever go there. With this mentality, you go, to, you go to Mexico and Tijuana somewhere, orphanage, one day of uh, serving and you know, poor kids, you're hungry, you bring all the food and serve and come back, and then your kids and sharing, oh, what do you experience? What did you experience? And I've been a youth pastor. A lot of people will say, I'm thankful I don't live there. I'm thankful we have food at at home, clean water at home. It should break our heart. 
that they need Christ. That we should wake up from our spiritual slumber. Let's make it very clear. I'm not asking you to go move to Compton and work in central LA. I'm asking you to think about where you center your life. Is it affluence and comfort? Or is it Christ's kingdom? and glory of God in our lives, then some of us will gladly go to oversee. One of my students, when she graduated from college from UCLA, she chose to teach at Compton High. The broken windows, she, she was worried about teaching credential because will, she will need a few more months to finish that. The school said, we are desperate for more teachers. We don't care you don't have a te teaching credential yet. Just come. You could teach tomorrow. In Christ's name, we ought to go there. We are, we are too willing to go there. Well, let's bring it a little closer to home. Should I serve in this ministry or not? Uh, if I serve, I get criticized. I'm not doing something well. And it will bring a lot of things. You ought to step up and take pain, endurance for Christ's sake. It will be good for your growth. Try, try, try serve. Try uh, worship him. One of the vocals. I know how to play guitar. What if, what if I'm not liked? What if I'm not good enough? It's not about you. In your home groups, in your men's and women's group, there are dirty works that need to be done. People need comfort. People need a mediation and conflict resolution. People need mentoring and counseling. You might not get limelight, I'll tell you. But great endurance is a key mark, central mark of real Christian, real authentic ministry. Lesson number three, authentic, authentic ministry flows out of the leader's spirit-filled character and scripture-guided life by God's power. So he talked about how he endured suffering and hardship, and he turns back to internally about himself. Verse 6, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God. I notice it was intentional probably for him to mention purity first. 
There is a sense of blameness, blamelessness. Unlike overly freed today's pastors. Moral uprightness. And knowledge is not having a lot of knowing head knowledge thing. It's continually drawing from scripture and Patience is long-suffering, relational, forbearing, kindness, and by the Holy Spirit, and genuine love. All these are what? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 and 23. By truthful speech, he doesn't mean honest speech, although it is important about purity. The literally in Greek, it mean, in context, he means the word of truth, referring to the gospel itself. In other words, authentic ministry flows out of being, not doing things. Who we are, that we are continually being transformed to Christ-like character, and we are continually transformed by. The spirit, scripture guidance that we are upholding the truth with the authority and power of God's but when you think about God's approval on him as I mentioned in the beginning of the message was not list of accomplishments that he had, he did, but because of this, because of his character, because of his life, was approved by God. And if you haven't read Jim Elliot, a famous missionary who were Killed. Um, you should read some of his journals. Um, as a young man, I, I think he was the last year is Whitten College, so I'm thinking he's he was only 20, 21, 22 at best. He writes. There are many degrees people want. I'm paraphrasing, but I would like a UG degree. The only degree I'm going to look for and pursue is a UG degree. Approved unto God. Approved unto God. Is your life approved by God? Unto God? Would you pray for me? Because it really doesn't matter whether people like um, my messages or m the way that I, I do ministry. Um, stylistically, I'm a certain way, and those are not essentials at all. 
But it is essential that my heart, my character, my life is approved unto God for our church to be authentic ministry, for my ministry to be authentic ministry. Lesson number four. Authentic ministry is validated by the leader's persistence and faithfulness through tough times as well as through good times. Verse 7b below. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. How is this different from endurance? Because this one has the spiritual battle, warfare uh, that is inevitably in our way when we become intentional in our ministry, in our serving God in all that aspect. And he used uh, military imagery with the weapons of righteousness. The weapons of righteousness, some commentators will say something like, uh, this is Christ's righteousness, not necessarily, but contextually, I think it's, I agree with some other uh, commenters who says, living blameless life, as Christ urges us, is not the type of righteousness God will accept us because of our rightness, but because of our consequence of our receiving imputed righteousness from Christ that we will live blameless. And he mentions for the right hand and for the left. Some, some might say this is a public life and private life. I think it's about the uh, Roman soldier, armors of Roman soldier imagery. Roman soldiers with left hand shield for defense, the right hand sword for the offense. And Ephesians 6 come to our mind, doesn't it? Therefore stand firm and wear the full armor of God. Shield of faith, helmet of salvation, belt of truth, all that it, it, it implies is going intentional, deliberate, fighting the good fight mode. And once again, this, this is a different than uh, American dream. In social media, kind of exposes people's value quite a bit, right? And I'm saddened by the Christian culture. I, I, I have no judgments because I might have owned the mishaps in there too. I know they are Christian. They're writing about early retirement with certain type of comfort and then my goal is to retire at age 
40, age 45, and 50. The, the purpose of what? Having good enough, saving a few million dollars to have vacation house and to not have to worry about uh, income. What about this good fight? What about serving Christ with all your heart? What about being salt and light? What about weapons of righteousness? Those are not essential, non-essentials, brothers. Now, this has nothing to do whether you're going to be saved. By grace of God, you will be saved, not by works. Yes. But if you are true and you are deeply grateful for salvation God has given to you, the expression of our life has to be in that good fight together. So do you persist and, uh, and show faithfulness in tough times? And notice that he says, through honor and dishonor. There will be time that your ministry, your, your volunteering in some type of ministry, even in here or outside of church, could be just joyful. And people encourage you and applaud you. And sometimes it's a dishonor. And sometimes it's a slander. You know, instead of praising you, what you do, critic people criticize what you do wrong. And the importance is if we are not in this for our own sake, but Christ's sake, can we maintain that consistency? Persistent and faithful in spite of ups and downs. I would say the good and the bad and the ugly things life brings. Lesson number five. Authentic ministry produces paradoxical testimonies displaying God's power amidst harsh realities of life and ministry. Verse 8b to verse 10. We're treated as imposters, but and yet are true, as unknown, and yet well known, as dying, and behold we live, as punished, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. The paradoxical te testimonies I mean, there are harsh realities of human condition, but in spite of that, there is God's glorious power displayed in our lives. Look at each pair. He, when, he, when he says that imposters, people saying, you're not really true apostle. 
you're fake, you're imposter. But and yet God validates him as true, as unknown, but he is well known by the kingdom of God, God, by the Father in heaven. As dying, experiencing close death experience, but by God's grace, continually live. Punished, but not killed. And here's something that's been becoming more and more reality in my life. I told you that I went through three uh, funerals. And there are things that makes us sad. And life, true reality of life is full of sorrowful things. To deny that and acting like, just be positive. Jesus loves you and smile. I do, so, so do I. And it will be fake. But as much as we're sorrowful, even in the depth of sorrow, always rejoicing. That's what it means to walk by faith. And it's been a while that because of all the things going on, I haven't visited my brother yet. I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to visit my brother with this light in mind. His condition of speech impediment and right side of, and he will not be back to ministry of preaching or writing anytime soon. It is sorrowful. But we can still rejoice. My parents-in-law moved in. And one of them is in, in going through dialysis. Second one, I mean, his wife is going to be soon go through that dialysis again. It's sorrowful. We cannot deny the fact that this is a depressing situation. But we could be continually rejoicing by the supernatural power displayed in, in our hearts. That's what authentic Christians, who's not denying the pain, but by the supernatural power, would you pray for me that I could continue to live that life in front of my in-laws, Kate and I both, so that they may know, come to know Christ? I'm poor, making many rich, like Jesus did, uh, having nothing, yet possessing everything. I, I got to share this story. Remember Cindy cried looking at the four luggages and is this all we have now? And then Cindy told Bo in tears, and Bo, I love that side of Bo. Bo is uh, much more thinker. He thought about Eight of the Tozers book, The Pursuit of God, second chapter title is Blessedness of Possessing Nothing. Wonderful chapter. He read it again and said, and send it to Cindy, here, you need to read 
blessedness of possessing nothing. Obviously, Tozer got the phrase from here. They might have all their possessions that dwindled down to four luggages and one backpack, and they might have nothing, but they possess everything in Christ. That's the paradoxical testimony. Number six and last, authentic ministry is led by key leaders whose hearts are wide open to those whom they lead out of genuine love. This is coming back from defense, and he's now urging them, urging, urging the Corinthian Christians. Verse 11, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restric- restricted by your own affection, or your own conflicts and um, emotional problems. In return, I speak to you as to children, widen your hearts. In our languages, could you open your hearts? Could you show me your affection in return? Paul concludes this not with a harsh rebuke, but gentle urge, almost a request. Why? The question is why? Because of his genuine love. When you're mad at your kids, and after everything's said and done, and when you go to them, don't you have a compassion, pity, and longing to restore the relationship again? That's what Paul's doing. My heart is wide open. I held nothing against you. Would you open your heart? Love me back. Receive me back. I wonder what our church would be if every single one of us lived like that. Instead of thinking about my pain, my my misunderstanding only, And I ask you, I, I really do am to love you guys. Um, in emails and when I write, I love you, I want you to know I mean it. I have affections for you, each one of you. But I pray that you will continue to pray for me, that for me to be a genuine, authentic pastor is not so much about what I do, accomplishments, that I love every single of Crossway family member. And then my heart is wide open to you. I know I'm different. I'm st- too structured for you guys, some, some of you guys. Uh, I, I would admit my brokenness by the long for us to be harm in heart, living in harmony. That you will walk with Christ with me and journey this life as a deep commitment with each other. So here are six uh, in summary and recap. 
Lesson number one, authentic ministry requires deliberate sacrifice in freedom as well as in accountability in order to protect the credibility of ministry. Lesson number two, a key mark of authentic ministry is great endurance in various hardships and obstacles for the sake of Christ. Lesson number three, authentic ministry flows out of the leader's spirit-filled character and scripture-guided life by God's power. Lesson number four, authentic ministry is validated by the leader's persistence and faithfulness through tough times as well as through good times. Lesson number five, authentic ministry produces paradoxical testimonies displaying God's power amidst harsh realities of life and ministry. Finally, lesson number six, authentic ministry is led by key leaders whose hearts are wide open to those whom who they lead out of genuine love. I conclude with A.W. Tozer's quote. Uh, this is from The Root of Righteousness. And he has, a, this was written in 1940s or so. A pro- prophetic voice for our generations as well. Tozer writes, a real Christian is an odd number anyway. He feels supreme love for one whom he has never seen, talks familiarly, familiarly every day to someone he cannot see, expects to go to heaven on the verge of another, empties himself in order to be full, admits he is wrong so he can be declared right, goes down in order to get up, is strongest when he is weakest, richest when he is poorest, and happiest when he feels worst. He dies so he can live, forsakes in order to have gives away so he can keep sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passes knowledge. The man who has met God is not looking for anything. He has found it. He is not searching for light, for upon him the light has already shined. His certainty may not be bigoted, but his Assurance is that of one who knows by experience his religion is not a hearsay. He is not a copy, not a facsimile print. He is an original from the hand of the Holy Spirit. May God and His Spirit stir our hearts to pursue these six lessons individually as a Christ follower and as church. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Apostle Paul and his radical example. I thank you for the clarity of your scripture. We come away 
embracing these six lessons as something is, that is timeless and that is applicable and also essential to our lives. And make us real. Uh, make us serve Christ in this kind of authentic way of doing ministry and life. May Crossway be real. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.